how much are you willing to put up with to reach your goals? And that we all face adversity in our lives. And it's either going to be good adversity that helps you grow and improve you, or it's going to be adversity that beats you down. Welcome to the On Purpose Investor Podcast with your host, Eric and Tiffany Vogel. We spent several hard years building a rental property portfolio so we could have more time with our family and live our ideal life. Finding your path can be difficult, so we're here to help guide you along the way with lessons, tips, and tricks to design and implement your dream life through real estate investing. Now sit back, turn up the volume, and get ready for this episode of the On Purpose Investor. Welcome back, Pathfinders, to On Purpose Investor Podcast, show number three, where we're going to talk about your relationship with money. So we'll start the show out by talking about good financial habits. And back in the day when I was a single man, I was not a great financially wise person. I had poor decision-making skills when it came to signing up for subscriptions, stopping at gas stations, getting fast food. Just, I made all the wrong choices. Buying a bagel and loading it up with cream cheese and a coffee when you could just as easily grab a bagel from home and make a cup of coffee and not spend $4 a day. But it doesn't taste as good as Dunkin' Donuts. I mean, Dunkin' Donuts is fantastic. Yes, it is. (laughs) (laughs) It's what's important to you. And in that time of your life, convenience was more important. I don't think you were necessarily thinking that, but it it was a way you chose to spend your money. And you had the disposable income. You weren't thinking about saving or investing or doing anything with it. So... It was a good use of the money at the time. Right. Being cognizant of my money was not on the forefront of my mind. If I had the money and I wanted something, I did it. Instead of now, my thought pattern is so much different because now I think, well, is that four or five dollar bagel and a coffee worth what it would take for me to make four or five dollars? The energy that went into making four or five dollars, is it worth the time savings I had for sitting in the drive-thru. You probably didn't save any time at the end of the day. After no. you sat through the drive-thru. Most likely I didn't. Yeah. But now I gave up on carbs, so <laughs> uh, bagels are a moot point. <laughs> and I really enjoy my Amazon donut house coffee out of the Keurig. Yeah. It's, you're focusing on spending your money where you want to. So you enjoy a monster pretty much every day, and that's where you spend your money. And that's perfectly fine. But it's being intentional and focusing on what's what makes you happy. Like we went talk about the top 10 list, focusing on spending your money on the things that make you happy. That's right. And if a monster is what makes you happy and it's on your list, you by all means should do that. Right. By the way, monster is not on my top 10 list. And I have found even more frugal ways to enjoy an energy That's drink fair. with Soda Stream and using their extreme energy syrup. Yeah. So... We want to talk today about money and your relationship with money. And just to start, are you using money as a tool or is it a pain point for you? Is thinking and talking about money something that's a challenge and a struggle for you? I know for me, I've always been a saver. So I've always had more money than I really needed. And But I also have a hard time spending money on things that I really want or need. And you, on the other hand, like to spend it A little more uh, frivolously, I I would say. Yeah, I enjoy spending money. 
But now I'm, like I said, I'm more cognizant of what type of energy went into making that money and is it worth spending it on said item. So I have a bit of a checklist that I go through before I buy something. How much does it cost? How much energy did it take for me to make that money? And is it worth the time cost of what I used or what I'm buying? Yeah, I think we have focused on making money more of a tool in the way we've done our investments and manage things. So for example, like we use debt very heavily in, on our investing, but we really avoid debt on our personal finances and consumer debt in general. If we do take on consumer debt, we try to find a way to make it into a tool for us. Right. We took on some consumer debt to buy an RV. And that was something that we wanted that we both had on our top 10 list that we want to travel more. And we love camping. And I know RV camping is a glamping thing, but we enjoy being out. We enjoy being disconnected from the day-to-day grind. And so we said, you know what? We're going to invest in a camper. But that was a pretty hefty amount of consumer debt. And we should probably find a try to way to leverage this consumer debt. And so we looked online, you know, can you rent your RV out? <laughs> We've been in the process of, you know, setting it up and getting it ready to rent. We haven't necessarily jumped off the ledge yet and put it on the market to rent out to other people because we're just enjoying so much out of it right now. But it sits the majority of the month and we use it five, six days out of every month. But while it's sitting there, it could make us money. And there is absolutely an opportunity for us to rent out our RV and let it pay for itself, if not make us money. Yeah, so we're turning what could have been a pain point into a tool. And I think there's really an emphasis on good debt and bad debt. So it's, and it's person by person. I don't think you can say across the board, everything, all student loans are bad debt or good debt. I think it depends on the person and how you approach getting your education. And how they're investing the education they received. Yep, but I think pretty universally, people say credit card debt is pretty bad. Carrying a huge balance and the interest rates and everything, it's, it can be devastating. So really ponder, is the way you spend your money in a way that's going to help you reach your goals? Or is it something that might be holding you back? And by buying things today that you want and not saving for them, is that debt payment potentially going to hurt you in the long run to where you can't do investments and other things? Right. Before you get started in your investing career, or maybe you're already started in your investing career. You really need to take a a good hard look on the inside and see where are you financially today? Are you making payments toward consumer debt or revolving debt that is just keeping you away from being able to invest? If you have a lot of revolving debt, Amazon credit card or a car note or other spending habits that prevent you from saving, We highly encourage anyone looking to invest to really get their personal finances in order before they jump off and go get bigger debt. Because you have to really establish responsible behavior with money. You have to establish a positive relationship with money. Not just positive, but responsible relationship. Because when you go out and you take a $150,000 home loan, and your expectations are that you're going to service that debt with a renter, if you have bad spending habits, you're likely going to use those bad spending habits moving forward. Your habits have to start, I think, before you even start investing. Well, and you want to have a healthy cushion if you're going to buy a rental to be ready for the unforeseeable. We got hit by a huge tornado about nine months ago, and that 
would have been a very different situation if we didn't have reserves available. So you want to have your personal finances under control. So if something happens in your business or your investments or whatever you're doing, you can weather the storm, literally or figuratively. Very true. So living a rich life. How do we live a rich life? A term I kind of stole from Ramit Sethi, who teaches I Will Teach You to Be Rich. It's a great book and podcast. I've really enjoyed his podcast of late. He just started it not too terribly long ago. He talks about choosing what's important in your life and living your rich life, which is not just slashing everything. Dave Ramsey's really big on cutting down to rice and beans and beans and rice. If you listen to him on his radio show, he says that more often than you can probably count. We are big proponents on spending your money where it brings you joy. Now, if you're in a situation where you need to get out of credit card debt or consumer debt quickly, the rice and beans approach might be best for you. It's all dependent on your situation and where you are. You just have the tools in your toolbox. So if you aren't familiar with Dave Ramsey or Rami, I highly recommend you go research them and understand their philosophies. And maybe it's not them, maybe it's somebody else, but find someone who you can follow and learn from to understand how to manage your personal finances in a way that's fulfilling for your life and your needs. I would personally say, and this is me talking, not me speaking for anyone else, but In order to get your personal finances in order, Dave Ramsey is just perfect for the majority of people in America to get you thinking about money in a way of, was that smart? Is it wise to be broke and paying for all these things? Just reducing your financial liability to other people, paying the bank all this interest, you know, that's not smart. It's not great because you could be investing that money yourself. But when it comes to investing and investing in real estate, Dave Ramsey is not going to be that person that tells you that it's a smart move. That's a conversation that that is not going to happen in this podcast, but could happen in the future of why Dave Ramsey doesn't encourage that. But I highly recommend him for you if you are trying to get your personal finances in order. But when it comes to investing, do not recommend following Dave Ramsey when it comes to real estate investing. But it's, it's all, like I said, back to what works for you. It did not work for us to go with his approach because mm-hmm. we wanted to grow faster. The approach he advocates is not using debt, period. So if you're going to buy a rental property, it should be 100% cash. And we would not be sitting where we are today if we paid 100% cash for each property. Well, right. But it's we, more secure. And- we leveraged our debt to make us monthly cash flow. Right. And right, if you paid for a house with cash, you would have the majority of that rent as income. And with us, we leverage the debt against the house. So we're only taking a portion because there's a portion to service the debt. Mm -hmm. But when you leverage your debt, you're able to move at a much faster pace because you're not having to come up with so much capital each time you buy a house. Right. But at a higher risk. So you have to find what what works for you and what tolerance you have and what, what timeline, what approach. At the end of the day, all of this is so highly unique to the individual. We can just tell you what worked for us. We have seen from our friends and things like that. But at the end of the day, we just want to give you the resources to go out there and find your path. And hence why we call you Pathfinders, because it's finding the path that works for you. And if buying a $5 cup of coffee is really something that you enjoy or buying a bagel and a coffee at Dunkin' Donuts every day is what makes you happy, that's what you should do in our opinion when you are in a stable financial situation. But spending the money on things that don't really make you happy, it's just a waste at that point. I mean, we haven't had cable. I've never had cable as an adult. I don't know if you have. Oh, yeah, I wasted money. Okay. (laughs) 
<laughs> so we, when we got together, we canceled our cable subscription and used Netflix. And even for a little bit there, I don't think we had anything. We were so busy working. We didn't well, have time to watch Like TV. I said on an episode last week was it took us so much to accept that we have money and we can afford a Netflix right. subscription and we can afford the time now to enjoy and watch. Right. That was just what was unimportant to us. We really enjoy eating out. So we spend a significant portion of our money going out to eat or traveling in our RV, which we have a monthly payment for. But we focused on what brings us happiness and joy and how we want to spend our time instead of trying to buy something to impress other people. And we'll talk more about that next week on is being cool worth being broke and trying to impress other people with how you spend your money. That's right. I highly encourage everyone when you're at the register and you're about to buy something, or maybe even before you walk into the store, have a conversation with yourself of, is what I'm about to buy 100% necessary for my life? Is what I'm about to buy going to get me closer to my why? Does this aid or detract from my ultimate journey? Does this need to be on my path? If you can truthfully look in and say, yes, this 65-inch television is absolutely going to get me on my, get me closer to my why. Now, when you were supposed to buy like a 50-inch TV, is that what you're talking about? That's exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> we upgraded, but that's okay. It comes down to your life energy. And Vicky Robin and Joe Dominguez talk in Your Money or Your Life about your life energy. And basically, they break down how many hours are you working for that upgrade on that TV or that cup of coffee? So when you're at the register or on the way to the register, think, okay, I make $15 an hour, for example, and this thing costs $30. After you pay taxes on your $15 an hour, you're probably looking at three hours worth of work to buy this thing. So is it worth being at work three hours to buy whatever it is you're about to buy? Well, I saw that they are now selling vinyl records at Target, and they're about 30 bucks each. Okay, so is that vinyl record worth three hours of work in this example? Now, if you're an avid record collector, you probably are not buying new records at Target in 2021. But, you know, if it added to your collection, and that collection is what makes you happy, by all means, do it. But have that conversation with yourself. Was it worth me being at work for those three hours to have this vinyl? You got to have that conversation with yourself each time. Right. And it's all super personal and highly personal. It's like Eric said, if you are an avid record collector, then yes, it is worth it. Maybe that coffee is worth it for you. But I know for me, I'd rather have my my donut house from Amazon cup of coffee every morning. And that's okay. It's okay to have different preferences. It's just making sure that you're spending your alignment, your money in alignment with your goals and wants and needs and not just what you think you should be spending money on. Right. You know, the big thing that got me thinking different about money was reading Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad, Poor Dad. That is just the most cliche thing to say in the investing world, especially in real estate investing of Rich Dad, Poor Dad changed my life. But it really did, especially when Robert Kiyosaki talks about how the different mindsets of money and the relationship with money and his poor dad would often tell him, you know, there's no way we can afford this. But his rich dad would tell him, no, you can't think like that. You have to ask yourself, how can I afford this? And that sparked a different relationship with money for me because I grew up with a poor dad approach. Wow, a house with stairs inside of it is very expensive because I grew up in a double wide trailer. 
And there were no stairs other than the porch leading up to the door. I thought it was so cool when people had stairs in their home. Growing up, and even as a young adult, I thought that there was no way I could afford anything like that. And after reading Kiyosaki's book, it's like, you don't have to be able to afford it. You have to figure out how can you afford it. And lo and behold, a couple of years ago, I lived in a house with stairs in it. <laughs> that was a great house that we lived in. And it was even better when we converted it into a rental. And now it's producing income for us. So we, we converted what Rich Dad defines as a liability into an asset. So in his definition, a liability is anything that costs you money. So that mortgage payment was a liability for us. It was an expense that we had to spend each month on a mortgage payment. So a lot of people define their house as their biggest asset. And in the rich dad terminology, it's not. It's your biggest liability for most people. But we were able to convert that into an asset. And now we still live in a home, obviously. So that's now our liability. But in time, we will eventually move and rent this house out and add it to our list of assets. So there are ways to transform your liability into an asset if you have a lot of equity on your home. Let's say you have a ton of equity on your home and you take out a home equity line of credit, a HELOC as a lot of people call it, and you invest that HELOC and you make a big return on that HELOC, you are now putting to work the equity within that home. So I would say part of your home is a liability while part of it you're utilizing as an asset. Yeah. I mean, if you could take out a home equity line of credit and buy a rental property with it, and that property, let's just say your mortgage payment on your home is $1,500 a month. We live in Georgia, so that's a, a reasonable mortgage payment here. But you're able to get a rental property that cash flows $500 a month. So now your mortgage payment's only 1000 So you've made, it's still a liability, but you've made that money work for you to reduce your liability. And if you can keep doing that and buying more and more rentals, eventually you'll be able to live in your home off of the rental income. That and, was generated by your home equity line right, of credit. Right. So you can transform your liability into an asset, but you got to be very careful. You have to be responsible with your relationship with money. And you got to have some fallbacks just in case you don't want to promise yourself the income coming off those rentals and have money promised elsewhere and not service the debt. You know, it all comes back to, do you have a positive and responsible relationship with money? Well, and you can also convert it into an asset by doing things like renting out a room and having a roommate in your home, or there's a lot of avenues, I guess you can approach it. At the end of the day, it's all based on what you're willing to do to reach your goals and what you're able to do. I know for us right now, we have a small child, so there's no way we would be renting out a room, especially to a complete stranger. We like our, our little family unit with our dogs, but that is something we would have considered in our life earlier on. I mean, we, we lived in an RV for almost six months, a 200 square foot, lovely luxury vehicle with us and two dogs that had a lot of issues, including the water heater going out and us having to shower at the gym. And there's a whole slew of funny now stories. They were not so funny at the time, but you have to find ways to produce income that work for you and what you have available. All of those funny stories we will most likely cover in, in future episodes, you know, just when you get into something like real estate investing or investing in something else that is going to take so much of your life's energy, you're going to have to find out what amount of suck are you willing to embrace. Yeah. There's a, another book I highly recommend. It's The Subtle Art of Not Giving a F. And then there's or three characters after that. It's a fantastic book that basically talks about how much are you willing to put up with to reach your goals. 
and that we all face adversity in our lives. And it's either going to be good adversity that helps you grow and improve you, or it's going to be adversity that beats you down. So, and I think that that ties back to the, is money a tool or a pain point? Because if you're buying things on credit, it's just going to keep beating you down and you're going to wind up with so many monthly payments that you can't afford all of your monthly payments. If something happens, you know, you wind up, your car breaks down and all of a sudden you have an extra $300 bill. You can't afford it because you have so much monthly going out to service this debt. And then money just becomes this very painful thing for you. But if you're able to find a way to make money into a tool for you where you're earning interest on your money or have a a return in some capacity, money becomes really fun. Yeah, absolutely. And these days, it's very easy to get into a bad relationship with money because credit is so easy to get these days. And what I mean is you can go open a credit card and even with poor credit, you can likely get a couple hundred bucks in credit and just keep paying your bills and they'll up that, that credit limit. So it's, it's very easy to get into a bad spot. And some of you might be in a bad spot. But just because you're in a bad spot doesn't mean that's where you always have to be. It all starts with a commitment to yourself and to those around you that your circumstances in life are not going to define where you're headed. Where you are today does not dictate where you can be tomorrow. We really hope that during this episode, you begin to think a little more critically about your money and how you're spending your money. And if you are in a bad relationship with money, how to turn that around, how to start thinking differently about your money and how valuable your money is to you. Right. That's all we have for you guys today. Thanks for hanging out with us and listening to us talk about your relationship with money. How can you make the time you spent with us worthwhile? Is it evaluating how you spend your money and determining if it's worth your life energy? Finding a way to turn a liability into an asset? Reading one of the books we mentioned? Or something else? Don't let the time you just invested go to waste. You only get one life, so live it purposely. That's all we have for you today. See you next time. Are you ready to discover and build your dream life? Then it's time to become a Pathfinder. Head over to onpurposeinvestor.com and sign up for our newsletter to get tips and tricks to help you find your path and get the latest from our blog. If you haven't already, we'd really appreciate an honest review on your favorite podcast app. If you're enjoying this show, share it with friends, family, and fellow investors. See you next time at the On Purpose Investor Podcast.